All right, you guys ready to do this thing? Sure. Yeah. Sure. There's a lot of excitement in the room. It's awesome. All right, so um, it is good to be back home. Um, I miss you guys. Missed you too, Steven. I shed a few tears while I was gone. Hey, I'm glad you noticed. Brandon. <laughs> I know, I know you. I know you were crying every night while I was gone. You missed me so much. Yes. I tell you though, it was pretty cool to preach uh, with the translator or interpreter. That was really interesting. What? Yes. El Stupido. <laughs> Stupido, yes. You, just remember, when we go on our missions trip to Mexico next August, end of July, because we are going to do that, by the way, um, do not use the word estupido when you go. Tonto. Tonto. Use that word instead. Yes. She explains to me why it's so hard for them. Yeah. She said, because whenever you say stupido, it's like saying you're so dumb, there's no hope for you, you're the dumbest person in this universe. Yeah, which is what I meant when I was preaching, but apparently that didn't go over so well. All right, so anyway, but it was funny because after he explained it, and uh, and we, we got through all that in the weird, awkward moment, I'm like, but it's true though, right? And everyone just started laughing. It was great. Because they, they were like, yep, it's totally true. All right, so, um, but yes, we are going to be planning on going to Mexico, um, and it's either going to be the last week of July, beginning of August, or the, the first part of August, and uh, we're planning to do potentially like a 10-day trip, very similar to what um, I just went on, um, because we're going to be doing some work at the camp, um, we're going to do some stuff with their youth ministry, we're also going to go with the singles as well, so the plan is we're going to take 10 of you guys and 10 of the singles. Um, so not every everyone's going to be able to go. So we'll talk all about that. Uh, but you know, like some of the prerequisites is you know you've got to be in discipleship, faithful with discipleship, and things like that. So we'll talk more about that and different things that you need to do in order to go. But I'm super super pumped. So it would be awesome for you guys to go. So be thinking about that. Um, I don't know all the costs yet, but you know it's going to be. And I, I can talk to you guys about how to do like different support letters and different things like that too because I know there's some people that would love to help you guys go if you don't have the money for it. So we'll talk all about that when I get some more of the details together. But I am very excited about it. I hung out with their youth on Saturday night um, and it was so much fun. Um, they did a game and stuff like that that was just really gross and, uh, and they had a lesson and Kyle Brown actually taught the lesson. He did a really good job. And then we went out to eat afterward, and I had a chance to give my testimony. And I started talking about some of the stuff with the dating series that we're working through, giving my testimony. And they like just just asked me question after question after question. And it was just really, really cool uh, to be able to spend some time with them. So I think we're going to have some fun. So I'm excited about that. So you can be praying about that, and I'll give you more details as it is available. All right. <clears throat> so this morning... We're going to be getting back into biblical relationships, and uh, as we talked about last week, um, well, past couple weeks anyway, yeah, you've been talking about the spiritual guidelines for dating biblically, so that's what you covered. Um, we covered that three weeks ago, and then Bobby taught through uh, last week and, and the week before on different concepts with that. By the way, while I'm speaking about them, both Bobby and Brandy are sick, um, and Bobby was really close to having to take Brandy to the hospital last night. But thankfully, she was able to keep some meds down, and so they're doing better. But he woke up, and he was also sick as well, so you can be praying for them too. So that's tough when both parents are sick, and you have to take care of your kids. So be praying for them. So that's what Bobby did the last couple weeks, and so we're going to be getting into the emotional side of things. But just as a little bit of review, uh, so that we just remember some of the concepts that we talked about. 
So uh, we talked about on the spiritual side, and here's the questions that we asked. Am I in the center of God's will? And sometimes, I don't know if you thought about this, but like, we're talking about dating other people. Why are we talking about me? Why would we be talking about you when it comes to dating? Because we're the ones dating. Yes. And so you need to make sure that yourself, me, myself, and I, that you're prepared properly in order to date properly. All right? So are you in the center of God's will? And we talked about the seven wills of God and the different things that you need to be in order to be in the center of God's will. So if you want those notes, I can get those for you if you forget. Um, or if you were here and you just forgot anyway, I can get you those notes. So just let me know. Uh, but are you in the center of God's will? Are you actively involved and faithful in the work of the Lord? Active. Active is the key word. Actively involved. Do you take opportunities to evangelize? Do you take opportunities to invite people to church? Are you in the word of God? Maybe not every single day, but the majority of the days during the week. Do you pray regularly to the Lord? Do you go to him? Do you walk with him? Are you actively involved and faithful in the work of the Lord? That's discipleship and evangelism. Are you faithful in your discipleship relationship? Am I faithful in the little things in my life? Um, This is a big one. This one's a big one. Being responsible for another person in a dating relationship is a huge, huge responsibility. And if you can't take care of the little things in your own life, like cleaning your room, cleaning your car, um, being responsible. <laughs> I got some Snickers on that one. Um, when, it, when it comes to those little things, like if, you're, if you can't take care of these little things in your life, then when it comes to big responsibilities, they're going to fall apart eventually. So just are you a diligent type of a person? And we're going to talk more about that today as well. And then lastly, am I attracted to someone that is obedient in all of these areas? Uh, because you can tell a lot about a person by who they're attracted to. You can. Um, and whether you like it or not, it's just how it works out. Like when you go fishing, there are certain types of bait you have to use to catch certain types of fish. Right? You have to. Well, it's the same thing when you're dating somebody. If you want to pretend like a certain person or attract a certain person, then there's something on the inside that you're showing who you really are. You really are. It reveals a lot, a lot. So these are very, very important questions. And then, of course, we have our picture that we go through. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. And so that's my horrid triangle with the weak marker. And so we split this into threes. And we start off. And the foundation is the spiritual. Spiritual. And that has to be the first. This is the part of you that never changes because God never changes. Your relationship with God may grow, but God never changes. And so this is the foundation of that relationship for the rest of your life. Because when it comes to this next part, which is the... Emotional. Emotional. Yes. (laughs) Emotional side. This part of you changes throughout the years. And we're going to talk about that today. So this is not something you can base your relationship on. Just because you like somebody because of different hobbies or the things you have in common or the the type of, of character they have or their personality, that doesn't work. It doesn't last. People change. People change. They do. You are not the same as what you were five years ago. I would hope. (laughs) Some of you? I don't know. Maybe. You change. You're supposed to. You're supposed to change. Your emotional side is supposed to mature and change as you get older. And so this part of you, you cannot base a relationship with another individual on this. There can be things that that might bond you closer together, but you cannot base a relationship on that. And then lastly, spice cycle. That's last. And so that's something that we're going to talk about 
uh, potentially next week. So we'll see how that works out. But we're going to spend some time talking about the emotional side of things today. All right? So the emotional side of things. So the first thing that we have to ask ourselves is this. Am I a diligent servant? Diligent servant. When I think about somebody that's diligent or something that's diligent, I think of ants and I think of bees. I do. So we had a bee problem at our house. I don't know if you knew about it or not, but bees nested in our siding. And lo and behold, the part of the house that they nested was the very top corner (laughs) that I can't reach. And so we had to call out an exterminator and he sprayed it. He's like, yep, give it seven to 10 days. Seven to 10 days later, uh, they're still there. So we had them come out again. Yep, seven to 10 days, uh, they're still there. One more time, a dude that's been doing this for like 30, 40 years, and I was in Mexico when he came at the time, and this guy knew what he was doing, apparently, and he's like blaming the other guy and didn't know what he was doing. But then he like blasted the nest, and so I don't know if it's the cold weather or the poison, I don't know, but they're gone now. But they are resilient. They are resilient. When it comes to things that are diligent, I think about bees. They never stop. They never stop. They keep working. They keep working. The survival of the entire nest depends upon their activity, right? So when it comes to us, are you diligent? Are you a diligent servant? Let's take a look at a couple passages. Um, we'll, we'll get some readers. Somebody do Proverbs 27, 23. Go ahead, Hannah, you got that one. Caitlin, go ahead and take Philippians 2, 20. And then Noah, take uh, Hebrews eleven six. 6. Everybody else go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Am I a diligent servant? <clears throat> All right, listen to Proverbs twenty seven twenty three. Be diligent to know the state of thy flock and look well to thy herds. So to be diligent with a flock means you're looking well to them. What does that mean? If you're in charge of a bunch of sheep, what does that mean? Yes. Yes. You need to know where everyone's at. Remember the parable of the hundred sheep and the one that goes astray? What did the shepherd do? brought him back. He left the 99 and he went and found the one and brought it back because that was important to him. Now, why would a shepherd care about one sheep that goes away? Because that thing's money. It is cash money. Yes, it is. That thing is money. Between the wool that it provides, the meat that it can provide, all the, I mean, it's money. And so he loses it and then he's out. So the stuff that you have, your responsibilities, the things like even, even your family, have you ever thought about looking well to your family? Now, you may not have thought that because you're the child and you have parents. But as a child, have you ever thought about taking care of your parents? Maybe you have. Maybe there's some things there that you can provide with support or, or just questions or, or just love or time that you could actually care for your parents. That's part of your responsibility. That's your family. What about your spiritual family? Do you think about each other that way? You should be thinking about each other that way. You should notice when someone's not here. You should notice when someone is down and out and just having a hard time. And you should care for them. You should reach out to them. That's part of having a church family. That's one of the reasons why we're doing some things different around here. We need to take care of one another more. 
We need to take ownership of what God has given us. He's given you a great church family. A great church family with people that love God and love each other. You need to take part in that. You need to care for one another. Be diligent to know the state of thy flock. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be in charge. You can be in a flock and still be diligent to know the state of it. You should. And if you're not interested in that, then what in the world are you doing? You're only caring about yourself? I mean, that's only going to get you so far. Because life is not all about you. It's about the people that you're around. And so the Bible tells us to be diligent to know the state of our flocks. And then Philippians 2.20. Listen to this one. I love this verse because Paul is talking about Timothy. And he sends Timothy to these people of Philippi. And he tells the people of Philippi, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Naturally care for your state. They know He knows what's going on. He can tell if something's off. And he's willing to do something about it and try to nurture and to edify those people. I love it. And then look at Mark 10. We have that one. Mark 10, 44 and 45. Pete, go ahead and read that one. 44 and 45. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Okay, so Christ is our picture. He's our model. And it says, whosoever you shall be, will be chiefest shall be servant of all. So if you want to do things properly and to lead in God's economy, you have to serve people. You can't expect to rise to the top in God's command and do things that God wants you to do if you're not willing to be a servant. You're not. You know how I got the job that I got today of being a pastor? God called you. Because I'm awesome? (laughs) Oh, no. No. God called me, but you know why God called me? Because he thought you'd make a good pastor. Sure. I was willing to serve. I was willing to give of my time and my talents and give them back to God and love people and serve people. That's it. That's really it. I mean, there can be people that are, I mean, they can be a great preacher. They can be a great teacher. They can be a great administrator. They can have great skills. They can have great people skills. They can have all these things. But if they're not willing to serve people, they're never going to be, they're not, never going to be in the ministry. They're never going to serve God. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but God has called each and every one of you into the ministry. Maybe not full time, getting paid to do it. But as a member of the body of Christ, you are called into ministry. You are. And so that's part of your responsibility. So we've got to realize that. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Like, I think about Jesus. If Jesus showed up, like, we would want to treat him as if he was, like, the best in the world. Like, that's one thing. I, okay, so my time in Mexico, it was amazing. They treated us like we were, were millionaires. They treated us, I mean, you go into someone's house and they gave you like everything. They're like, this is your house, whatever. Whatever it is, this is your house. They took us to the nicest places. They took us to do the nicest things. I mean, the day before we left, we went to this restaurant. It was a Brazilian restaurant. And it's one of those restaurants where they constantly give you meat. Like they come around with meat on skewers and they slice it and they give you meat and just until it stops. The guy that paid for the bill, 80% of the bill was from his church. Between, I'm talking like 30 people at a restaurant like this. I mean, this was not cheap. And this guy, out of his own, just out of his own heart of gratitude and being thankful, says, I want to take care of 80% of the bill. Like, are you kidding me? I, 
like I think about that and how they treated us. And then sometimes I think about, well, how do we treat Christ? You know what I mean? Like, do we treat him like that? Because if we treat if we treated Christ like royalty, he is. If we treated him, we would give him the best of everything. We would give him the best of our time, the best of our money, the best of our energy, the best of everything. And so I think about being a hard worker, faithful, trustworthy, responsible. And I think about those sorts of things. He came to minister, not to be ministered to. He deserved to be ministered to, but he came to minister and he came to give his life as a ransom for many. That is a diligent servant. And then listen to Hebrews 11.6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Some people seek God, but only those that diligently seek God get the reward. That's what Hebrews 11.6 says. And so when it comes to your life, are you a hard worker or are you lazy? Are you faithful or are you unfaithful? Are you trustworthy? Can someone give you something and you are faithful to fulfill it and they can trust you? And are you responsible? Can you be counted on? That's important. That's important to your emotional state. This is part of your character, part of who you are, part of maturing into a young man and a young woman that can be responsible enough to date somebody. And so if you can't say yes to these things, then you've got to make some changes. Because if you are not that type of a person, then how can you be responsible for somebody else? And especially you guys. The guys. Talking about the men. The young men. You're supposed to be the leaders in the relationship. You're supposed to be the leaders in the relationship. So if you can't lead yourself spiritually and be consistent, how in the world can you lead somebody else spiritually? Because you are the tone for the entire relationship. It's a big responsibility, but you have got you have got to be walking with the Lord. If you can't walk with the Lord faithfully, then you're not going to be able to lead a, a woman. You're not going to be able to. So think about that. That's important to think about. All right, secondly, am I humble? Am I humble? Yes, I'm very humble. Am I humble? All right, go to Philippians 2. Everyone turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This is the humble passage. I think about this passage all the time when it comes to the topic of humility. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You have to have this mindset. If you're going to be a person of character and integrity, then you have to have this mindset. Because when it comes to this, if you are not going to care for the people around you, that means you're only going to care for who? Yourself. That's all you're going to care about. It's just you. You're not going to be thinking about other people. But I'm telling you that if you are going to be someone who is stable emotionally, you need to start caring for the needs of others. Caring for the needs of others. Give me some examples of how you can care for the needs of others in your life right now. Yeah. Praying for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Encouraging people. Like intentionally saying things nice to people. What? <laughs> Rocket science. 
You know, I was in a couple circumstances over this past week that were very difficult. And I could have been very bitter and angry towards people, but instead I chose to be a blessing. Did they deserve it? Uh -uh. <laughs> no, they did not. But did I give it to them anyway? Yes. Because I chose to care about them. I chose to love them. That is not easy to do. What about in your home? What kind of things can you do in your home? Do some chores without your parents telling you. Yes. Open the eyes balls <laughs> and take a look around your house and see what needs to be done and actually just do it. Maybe dishes are piling up a little bit and you can actually help out a little bit. Maybe there's laundry that can be done and it may not be yours. Maybe there's some things you can do to straighten up without having anyone ask you to do it. That's huge. It's maturity. It's taking care of the people in your life. And it takes some humility, especially doing other people's laundry or changing a diaper. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I mean changing a diaper literally and spiritually as well, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> There's some pretty sneaky diapers that are out there spiritually with people. Okay. I won't go into more detail about that. All right. James 3. Look at James chapter 3. James. James chapter 3. Or James, whatever you want to say. James 3, verse 16. I made some pretty good coffee today. James 3, verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. All right, so let's pause there for a second. Okay. I see this, I mean, in my kids as we're trying to raise them and train them. And as we get older, we're very good at hiding this. But when there's envying, when there's something that you desire that someone else has, or there's something that you don't have and you throw a fit about it, or strife, that's any type of fighting, any, any kind of discord, anything like that that can cause division between two people, there is confusion in every evil work. So in your relationships, when these things exist, evil is somewhere in the midst of that relationship. Somehow, someway. In that circumstance, there's evil, and it has got to go. It's got to go. So that's a very key indicator there from, from the scripture. But look at verse 17. But, this contrast, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So what type of a person are you? Are you more on the envying and strife side where there's just things that are just contentious and you're fighting all the time? Or are you someone that is pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, which means you're easy to talk to, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, you treat people without respect of persons, you treat everybody the same, and without hypocrisy because you aren't a hypocrite because you're doing what's actually right. Is that you? Which one defines you more? And what types of things you may you need to do to change that a little bit? So are you humble? Are you teachable? Can someone come to you and talk to you and maybe even rebuke you and you take it well? And sometimes, and this is something, I've seen this, sometimes some of you guys can receive correction from me a lot easier than you can from your parents. Which is not right. Because you should be able to take rebuke or correction from your parents much more than from me. That's your parents. That's part of their responsibility. So think about that. Or maybe you can take it more from the person that's discipling you or from one of your friends, but not from someone that knows you really, really well. Are you able to resolve conflicts biblically? 
conflicts. So those conflicts that are in your life, do you resolve them biblically or do you just brush them under the rug and pretend like they don't exist? I know plenty of people who do that. If you just brush things aside and pretend they don't exist, I'm just telling you, it's a matter of time before something it will explode and it will be a lot worse. It will be a lot worse. And are you considerate of other people? So we've already spent some time talking about that, being considerate of other people. All right, next point. Am I honest? Am I honest? And I love this picture. This is hilarious. It's true, isn't it? Purell, the lazy hand wash. I'll lazy with it. I know, right? I'll do it. I know. Wash your dang hands. Soap and water. <laughs> Purell, the lazy hand wash. Are you honest? Purell, see? Sad to be honest. It's your new marketing campaign. So are you honest? Are you a hypocrite? Or do you live truthfully? Are you double-minded? You know what the Bible says about double-minded people in James chapter 1? They have two brains. They got two brains. And because they have two brains... They have two heads. (laughs) Unstable. Unstable. Absolutely unstable. Have you ever tried to uh, get into a canoe with another person and you try to row the opposite directions? (laughs) How well does that work? It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. At all. One of you has got to give in to the other and go the same direction. That's the only way it's going to work. Spiritually, it's the exact same thing, by the way. Because you have your spirit, spirit of God if you're born again, and you have your flesh. They are in total, total opposition to one another. And so when one wants to go one way and the other one wants to go the other way, you're going to get nowhere. And so you have to learn how to yield your flesh to the spirit and do what's right in order to go anywhere. So, think about that in your own life. Are you an honest person? Go to Acts 24. Acts 24. Acts 24. One of my favorite verses on this particular topic. Acts 24. And our verse is verse 16. Verse 16. Leah, you want to read that one? Verse 16. Yeah. Yeah. You, Leah. 16? Yep. Sincere and do I exercise myself to always a consciousness void of a curse towards God and So Paul, one of the greatest examples outside of Jesus himself, he says, In herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Okay, explain to me how you do this. How do you have a conscience that's void of offense towards God and towards men? Because are you going to make mistakes? Uh, yes, you are. You are human. You're going to make mistakes. So how do you have a conscience void of offense? Repent and depart. What, what? Repent and depart. Yep. Repent and depart for sure. Blameless. Blameless. How do you be blameless? Apologize. You apologize. Oof. You apologize. <laughs> Oof. You mean I have to go and tell them that I was wrong? Mm-hmm. Even if they were more wrong than me? Uh-huh. That hard. Yes. That's really hard. I've been in multiple circumstances where I've had to apologize for things that deep down in my heart, I really felt like I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, multiple. I mean, the first time that I really, really did that, where I remember, was when I was, uh, let's see, I was 16, and in my own youth ministry, and the weird part was, is that my brother-in-law was the pastor, and there was a circumstance that unfolded that he laid the blame squarely on my shoulders when I was not, I did not do anything wrong. And then I had to stand up in front of my entire youth group 
and apologize for my disrespectful behavior. Ouch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did I want to do it? Yes. No, I did not want to do that. I did not want to do that. But you know what I had to learn how to do? I had to learn how to respect my authority and yield to him. Even though, now there probably was a small portion that I was at fault with. It wasn't the full deal of what I was blamed with, but there was a small portion. Was it fair? No. But I do believe that God honors that obedience. So even if you don't feel like you deserve it, it's better to yield and have your conscience void of offense than to fight for your place in the circumstance and say that you are right and everybody else is wrong. It's not worth it. It's not worth it because chances are there was something that you did that was wrong. And that's very, very hard to do, but that is a sign of maturity. It is a sign of maturity. I mean, everything inside of me, I wanted to fight against it. Everything. So Paul, he exercised himself to always have a conscious void of offense toward God and toward men. He wanted to make sure that he and God were on good terms and on the same page. He wanted to make sure that himself, the same thing with the people around him, the people he served with, the people that he ministered to. If there was anything that he felt like he had done something to offend someone, he sought them out and he made it right. That is not easy to do, but it is so important. If you don't do that, then you're not going to be able to minister to anybody. You're not going to be able to. And you're not going to be able to lead anybody either, including the person that you're wanting to date. And then, here's our last question. Am I able to lead others emotionally and spiritually? Are you able? So you yourself have to be following the Lord in all these areas. And are you able to follow someone else? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Reese, why don't you do this one? Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So Paul was telling the people of Corinth, follow me, even as I also am of Christ. Can you honestly tell someone, follow me, follow my example, follow my relationship with the Lord? Because in following me, you will learn how to follow God. That's what he's asking. So can someone look at your life and emulate the things that you do on a daily basis and know how to walk with God? That's a tall order, but this is what it means to be a disciple. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, this is what you do. This is part of your life. But if someone cannot follow you or in following you, they learn how not to walk with God. Well, then we've got some other things to take care of. And really, you should not be dating anybody else because that person that you're dating is going to be following your lead, especially you guys. Young men, they're going to be following your lead. And the things that you do is what they will do. The things that you allow are the things that they're going to allow and probably even more and worse. So you really need to be careful. This is a huge responsibility when it comes to dating somebody. Huge responsibility. Taking care of someone else's well-being. So you may feel like the standard is high, and it is true. It is high. It's very high. We're talking about another person here. I still, there, when it comes to my dating relationships, there are things that I still regret. And I wonder, I share this with the group in Mexico, the teenagers. I wonder if the reason why some of them walked away from the Lord was because of me. Sometimes, I wonder. 
Now, I can't place that blame on my shoulder squarely, but I think about that. I think about the way that I behaved and the decisions that I made and the things that I did not do. And I wonder if some of them are either wayward and they know the Lord or they're just flat out lost and could have been saved because of me. That's why the standard is so high. That's why the standard is so high. So you really need to be careful. You really, really need to be careful. And then lastly, am I attracted to someone who's pursuing these same things? That they're a diligent servant, that they're humble, that they're honest, that they're able to lead others. Because you should be attracted to someone who's doing these things. I'm telling you, as I was younger and the, and the person that I was looking for that I wanted to marry, I, there are certain things when I saw these types of characteristics in them, it attracted them to me more. And it was the things that I was looking for because they're biblical, because it's a person of character. Or are they someone who's just going to just fall, fall to pieces when there's a little bit of pressure? So this is very, very important. Very important. Okay, so we'll get down to our last point here. So the emotional part of a person is referring to what kind of a person that they are like. It can be surface level things like their interests and annoyances or deeper things like their character, values, and overall personality. These characteristics are are likely to change over time, especially as the spiritual part of a person grows and matures. The most important aspects in this area of our lives is learning to be led by the truth rather than emotions. So we already read James 3.16. Let's go to Psalm. Go to Psalm 51. And uh, we're going to see Psalm 51 and Psalm 119. So get those two chapters. Psalm 51 and 119. And so kind of the big takeaway is, is this question. What is the basis... For your decisions. If you were to analyze and think about your life and the decisions that you make, what are the basis for your decisions? Is it truth or your emotions? Are you someone that makes decisions based on how you feel or based upon what you know? Because someone who is emotionally stable, they're able to work through their emotions and make decisions based upon the truth. And if you're in a relationship with two people, two people were highly emotional people, if you make decisions based on your emotions, your relationship is going to be a wreck. It's going to be a wreck. You need to learn how to manage your emotions and make decisions based upon the truth. And so look at Psalm 51 and verse 6. So this is David's chapter where he's getting right with God, but I love verse 6. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. See, you know when you're just hearing to God, hearing God, hearing from God in your head, or you're really hearing him in your heart. There's a big difference. There's a huge difference. When you receive truth in the inward part, not just the head, in your inward part of you, you will be able to know wisdom. If you just know what to do and it's up here, it will never turn into wisdom. It will never work. It needs to be something that gets down into your heart, that moves you, that convicts you down to your very core, and then you'll be able to understand wisdom. If that has not happened in your life, you have not really walked with God. You may know about him, you may love him, you may be in his family, but you've never walked with him. It's a whole different ballgame. And then look at Psalm 119, verse 30. Psalm 119, verse 30. This is a picture of someone 
who has chosen to follow the truth over their emotions. David says this in Psalm 119 and verse 30. I have chosen the way of truth. And then anytime you see a colon in the Bible, it means he's expanding upon that thought. So I have chosen the way of truth. What does that mean? Thy judgments have I laid before me. So in order to be a person that decides to make truth the basis for all their decisions, they, in their own heart, their own mind, they have chosen the way of truth. They have opened up the scriptures, thy judgments. I have laid them before me. So whatever I'm going through, I have searched the scriptures to make sure that I am where I'm supposed to be, that I'm making the right decisions because God has given you every answer in here if you're willing to look for it. And if you don't know where to look, then talk to somebody because somebody will help you try to open up the scriptures and find answers to your particular issues. Proverbs is a huge book that can find tons and tons of of wisdom on decisions that you need to be making. So what is the basis for your decisions? Is it truth or emotions? Hmm. All right. We don't really have time to do it. There was something else I was going to do. So when it comes to this emotional side of you, um, I look at it as a, as a very, very delicate, delicate balance. It's a very delicate balance. In fact, you know what? I am going to do it really quick. So in the back, we've got... I want to show you this example. All right. So I kind of... As I was thinking about a word picture, I was thinking about it like this. All right? This is you. I know, right? You are you are totally, totally awesome. All right. So I know that I've had, you know, I've gone through, you know, like the cheap water balloons that you try to fill and they just pop instantly. No integrity. Very annoying. Very, very annoying. Well, that's a lot like us sometimes. In our immaturity, we uh, get filled up with whatever, whether it's air or water, and we only go so far and our emotional state will just absolutely break. Absolutely break. And so... Come on, we can do it. You can do it. Don't let me down now. Oh, see, all right. So, <laughs> sorry, I got my saliva on you. All right. So, when it comes to that sort of a person, it looks like that. You know, if you are emotionally unstable, you could get to the point where there's so much pressure built up inside of you, you just completely explode instead. Or you're like this person where you don't even last. And even, nothing even happens. See, this is a great illustration. This is working out fantastic. Um, and so there's a couple ways you can look at this. You're able to deal with pressure, right? And as you deal with pressure, and you deal with it biblically, it doesn't keep building up. You actually deal with it. Well, how can I deal with it? How can I get the pressure out of here? Unpinch it. Yeah, you can unpinch it, right? You let it out, and then when it happens again, you deal with it biblically again, and it lets it out. Or there's people that, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm staying put. Forget it. I'm done. And there's no way out except for to pop them. So it really comes down to that, your emotional state. How are you dealing with things? Because if you're mature about it, then you'll deal with things the right way and you won't have to explode. Circumstances won't have to come into your life to just tear you to pieces. It's really up to you. And if you're not willing to deal with things emotionally, maturely, biblically, then you have no business dating another person. 
And you've got to learn how to do it. Because if you can't handle yourself emotionally, you're not going to be able to handle anybody else. Guys, especially. Because women can be very emotional. Am I right, ladies? Okay. And as women being very emotional, if you can't deal with your own emotions and you don't know how to lead biblically, well then, whew, buckle up. It's going it's to be very difficult. You've got to be able to. You have to be able to. This is just part of life. All right? Okay. Let's pray and let's get out of here. God, thank you so much for the lessons that we learned today. I pray, God, that we would hide them deep in our hearts, that we'd let them affect us. Um, I know there's people in this room that are dating, and maybe they're just going about it the wrong way, and they need to make some serious changes. Um, I'm not saying that they need to break up, but uh, that's something that they need to consider. Um, But if they're able to repent and do things right and make some changes, it can happen, and things can go very, very well. Uh, But for those that aren't dating anyone right now, I pray that they would just be looking at their own life and in their own heart and seeing what they can do to just be more obedient to you, to do what's right. And so, God, you know where everyone's at, so I pray that you'd convict appropriately and that we would be obedient. Uh, We pray for our time this afternoon. I pray we'd have a great time. I pray that the rain would hold off, and if not, then, gosh, it'll just be fun. And so um, we love you very much. Thank you for giving us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come back here.